When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Bit of news. The FDA has okayed a COVID pill that you can test take that is evidently 90% effective, at least based on the early returns from Pfizer. And it should be available sooner rather than later, which the timing on that could be very helpful. This is not a vaccine. This is a pill that you take. If you have, uh, if you have COVID that has been proven to be 90% effective, which if that were to hold up, would be a great therapeutic that would uh, that would go a long way towards keeping anyone out of the hospital. So it's a break. I was talking about the great mass migration that we're seeing from blue states to red states. A million people in 2021 moved from blue states, primarily New York, California, and Illinois, to red states, primarily Texas, Florida, and Arizona, uh, North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, Utah, Tennessee. A lot of these states adding much of the population. I was talking about the fact that where I live in the Nashville area, I meet people all the time that are moving into my neighborhood. I live in an area called Franklin, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville, about 15 or 20 miles uh, in Williamson County. And our schools have stayed open. We were open all last year. And so as a result, there's been a lot of parents, a lot of families that have moved here. And what I see is, New York, California, and Illinois, most commonly Chicago areas where people are bailing in Illinois. And I ask them why they came here, and they all say to a a person, man and woman, they moved because they were finally fed up with the politics and COVID was the tipping point. And if you talk to real estate agents in Texas, Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, every single time, a new COVID policy goes into effect in these communities, in these states, in these cities, the phones start to ring off the hook. There are no properties hardly 
for sale right now in Tennessee in my area of Nashville because people are flooding in from New York, California, and Illinois. And I know there's a fear out there that they're going to change the politics. I think it's actually the opposite. I think they're coming here for the politics, which is why I am arguing they are going to make red states redder because they've seen the deleterious, destructive policies of far left-wing California, New York, and Illinois, and they want to move to a place where they and their family never have to deal with those threats again, which is why I believe red is getting redder and blue is getting bluer because of COVID. And all of these policies are becoming more insane. Guys, I was just looking. Buck has talked about this. New York City vaccine mandates, by the way, not working because New York City kept keeps setting new highs for COVID infections, but they've now been joined by Chicago, Boston, L.A., San Francisco, and Washington, D.C., where I went to college and have spent a decent amount of time. I live in Nashville now, the city that I've lived in the second most time in my life is Washington, D.C. I love it. It's a great town. But this blew me away. Washington, D.C. now has a vaccine mandate in order to get into restaurants, gyms, entertainment facilities, indoor venues beginning January 15th. This is pretty wild. No test out option here. Only 46%, this is according to Matt Whitlock, I saw saw it uh, retweeted by Aaron Perrine, who used to work in the Trump White House. Only 46% of D.C.'s black population is vaccinated. And only 34% of the 18 to 24 age range is. So D.C., which is a majority black city, now has implemented a COVID vaccine requirement which will not allow the majority number of black residents in this black-run city to even go into restaurants, gyms, entertainment facilities, or other indoor venues. This is madness. This is madness on an epic level. The people who should be worried about taking care of the constituencies in Washington, D.C. have just mandated that their people are not able, over half of them, to enter into restaurants, gyms, entertainment facilities, other indoor venues. Can you imagine if a Republican was putting this policy in place? How many people would be out there running around screaming racism? How many people on the left wing in this country would be focused on the disparate impact? This is like the whole argument for election, right? Election policies, oh, if they have a disparate impact. This has a direct impact related to race. Over half of D.C.'s black population is not allowed to go into a restaurant, a gym, an entertainment, or an entertainment facility or other indoor places starting January 15th. This is madness. And by the way, I'm unvaccinated still. I keep dodging like Neo all these different restrictions. I was joking with my wife on our flight back from Key West because I was telling her about New York, Chicago, Boston, L.A., D.C., and San Francisco all putting in these new policies. I'm going to keep going back to Florida a lot. I can go to Texas. By the way, we got an awesome Florida event coming up on January 21st down in Fort Myers. Already sold out. 
hundreds of you uh, were really appreciative of that event. We're going to be doing an event down in Houston before long. More coming. And by the way, I should mention, I said we had a best of on Christmas Eve. The best of is actually on Christmas Day. Michael Barry from down in Houston, one of our great affiliates there, is going to be sitting in for Buck and I over the holiday season. He does great work. You guys are going to love him. He'll be in on Friday with all of you. And then he'll be in next week as well. So we're excited to have him in. And yes, there is evidently a best of version that will be out on Christmas, just so all of you know. All right, when we come back, I'm going to play you this ridiculous Dr. Fauci clip. But also, we've got David Zweig, who is with us, who has been writing, believe it or not, I believe at New York Magazine and The Atlantic, multiple places, basically looking into the data behind masking. And he has just been exposing that all of this is a house of cards and there's no scientific data to support it. But as I was talking about this, New York, Chicago, Boston, L.A., D.C., San Francisco, I can't go to restaurants or bars or gyms in any of these places. I guess I can stay in hotels. Maybe I can go to a hotel gym. Or am I going to be banned inside of a hotel? I don't know. But the number of places I can go just keeps constricting. Guess what? I'm going to be going to the free state of Florida, the free state of Texas. I'm lucky to be living in the free state of Tennessee. I want to take a trip to Montana. That's the next trip I want to take. Never been to Montana. Big fan of the television show Yellowstone. So I think I'm going to be able to go pretty much anywhere in the real West. So I'm looking forward to all that. When we come back, I'm going to play you a clip. Dr. Fauci was asked about holiday gatherings. And whether he would allow a family member who was unvaccinated to attend a holiday party. What was his response? It was idiotic. It was nonsensical. And I think you guys are not going to be surprised by it. Because he is, after all, little Lord Fauci running around the worst bureaucratic official, I think, in the history of our country. I'll play that clip for you when we come back. But in the meantime... Mike Lindell, he invented MyPillow, and we have got MyPillow and all the products throughout the house. In fact, my wife went and bought my slippers for all of her girlfriends because she loves these things so much. And right now, Mike Lindell is offering his MyPillows, the ones that started it all, for the lowest price ever. You can get a standard MyPillow for $19.98. Originally, they were $69.98. That's a $50 savings with the promo code Clay and Buck. Plus, Mike is also extending his money-back guarantee trial until March 1st of next year. And you can enter the promo code Clay and Buck or call 800-792-3269 to get hooked up with these great radio specials. Again, no risk. Money-back guarantee trial until March 1st. Sign up today at MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials and you will be ready to roll 800-792-3269. If you want to call, use the code Clay and Buck. How's our driving? Call and let us know at 1-800-282-2882. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation 
And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less. Every time you play, you pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever, and it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance, so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free prize picks app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match up to $100. Download the prize picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel, hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. GovX donates a portion of every order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. Your orders make a meaningful impact. You can become a member in seconds. Signing up is fast and free. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. That's G-O-V-X.com. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX. That's GovX. Code CLAY. G-O-V-X-C-L-A-Y savings for those who serve welcome back in hour number two clay travis buck sexton show buck is out getting ready for his 40th birthday he was in the last couple of days i'll be in with you today and tomorrow then our friend michael barry will be in for the holiday season hanging out and bringing all of the latest news to you guys buck and i'll be back together for the beginning of the year encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast make sure you don't miss a single moment And I know a lot of you are out there traveling around. Maybe you need something to listen to. Maybe you need to escape some of the in-laws or some of the relatives that you may be around for the holiday season. I have heard that that sometimes is necessary. Maybe our podcast can be that voice of sanity in an insane world for you, particularly if you are dealing with people who've lost their minds over COVID for the last two years. I'm going to bring in now David Zweig. He's done a fantastic job of actually looking at the science, looking at the data, He writes at The Atlantic, 
And David, we've had you on the show before. I appreciate uh, you coming on. And we've just talked about masking with you. And I want to start here. I don't know if you saw this in the New York Times, but I read it this morning and I was like, my goodness, the world really is shifting. In the New York Times lead editorial today, they said, we should make masking in schools voluntary rather than mandatory. Uh, Two years of masking has... Uh, to think two years of masking has no negative impact is short-sighted. Kids are resilient, but not endlessly resilient. They say that masking should be voluntary. I almost spit out my drink when I was reading that, because you and I have been making that argument now for what feels like years based on the real scientific data. So thank you for making the time for us. What is the latest on the masking data and science? Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, The latest, at least from what I exposed in my investigation, was that the CDC used a particular study of schools in Arizona as one of its key justifications for school masking mandates. And what I found was that this study, in a long list of ways, was basically, to put it uh, <laughs> to put it bluntly, garbage. And this isn't my opinion as a journalist. This is the view of more than a half dozen experts who I interviewed for the article. Thank you for that. And by the way, for those of you who listen, I think we had you back on in the summer, if I remember, uh, yeah, breaking down the all the yeah all the data. So I want to start. Uh, thank you for sharing that that finding, which unfortunately doesn't surprise me at all. Why have the masks in schools people, in your experience, been so committed to an idea that does not have any scientific basis in reality and claiming, while all the while claiming we care about science, we care desperately about protecting children, why have they clung so desperately to masking in your mind? Yeah. Do you have uh, two hours? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it psychological? Is yeah. it a safety blanket for them? I mean, I just, yeah. you know, I've got three young kids. I don't know what your kid's situation is, David, mm-hmm. but I don't see it as remotely political. I just don't want to make my kids do things that are uncomfortable, that provide them no benefit, regardless right. of what it is. Right. Uh, that's, and that's and so it's just a human rationality to me. I mean, I you know, I could put my kids, for instance, in a flak jacket that protects them from being shot, right, when we walk to school. I, I guess that could be helpful if suddenly, like, uh, someone showed up and, and started shooting at the school. But the likelihood of that on our walk into school is so low, the Kevlar jacket would be pretty heavy on a kid. I could put my kid in a motorcycle helmet when they rode around in the car with me so they didn't hit their head if we got into an accident, but it would be really uncomfortable for them. We make these balancing acts all the time based on rationality and assessment of risk. Why have so few parents been willing to do that for masks? Yeah, so there's a lot there that you asked. Um, so I'll try to take it off. Um, first of all, I, your assessment and your analogies about wearing helmets and stuff, I think are, are on point, um, by and large, which is that the world is filled with risks and we make different risk assessments and based on them we decide what's worth or not worth doing we also get in a car most of us you know often by ourselves with our families and go on the highway there is a significant number of fatalities from car accidents every year including pediatric fatalities but the people who want their kids wearing masks 
I assume most of them are still getting in a car with their kids and there are far more children dying in car accidents. So, but I think asking the, the question about why um, you know, so many of these experts continue to push for this is complicated. I think part of it has to do with the fact that the evidence overall, and this is a contentious point and others will disagree with what I'm saying here, but this is my assessment. And from, you know, being buried in the research and from talking with many experts, there does appear to be pretty strong evidence that some masks work on some people in some circumstances. That seems for sure. A surgeon wearing a fit-tested N95, there's some pretty good evidence that that is protective. And even people wearing kind of a junky mask, if you pop into a store for 10 minutes, if everyone in there is wearing a mask, there is some protective effect. We're not sure what it is. It's hard to quantify, but there's something there. So, and I think these people sort of latch onto that and then conflate this sort of unknown protective effect of some masks in some circumstances and then conflate that with all masks working and that it's worth doing anything you can. And that's where brings us to the notion of mask mandates in schools. And the one thing I can tell you is, because I feel that I know this research as well as anyone there is, is that there is no evidence that mask mandates in schools offer any appreciable benefit. There may be some marginal benefit. It has not been demonstrated. And then the question becomes, some people philosophically will say, look, even if it's only a teensy-weensy benefit, we think it's worthwhile. And other people, like you and like me, would say, look, unless you can quantify this benefit and it seems really small, I don't think it's worth making my kid wear a mask for two years or even, or even two weeks for that matter. This doesn't make sense. So, and, that's, and one of the things that I pointed out in my piece for The Atlantic was that one of these studies that Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, was on television. She was at White House briefings. She's tweeted about it talked about this particular study as like really the jewel in the in the crown of their masking justification and the study has all sorts of errors and misleading information in it that is so bad that some of the experts who I interviewed in my piece and who I quoted say that it should never even have entered the public conversation. David Zweig with us. The, well, that's uh, an incredible finding that you did. And I want to thank you for the work that you're doing here. Journalists should ask questions like these. They should be skeptical of authority. They should not presume that they are always being honestly treated by people in positions of power. Why are you yeah. one of the few people that will even ask these questions? I don't know. I think part of it has to do with the fact that I'm an independent journalist. I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I'm not, you know, in this sort of class of people who typically are most of the people at places like the New York Times or even the outlets that I write for at the Atlantic or elsewhere. And I think there's a certain type of groupthink that takes hold and connected to that groupthink is the notion of most of, most of the people tend to be politically homogenous. Um, 
toward the left. And this has become such a politicized issue that it's almost impossible to kind of push back either a, if someone wants to push back, they're told they can't, or they're afraid to, or B, I think there's, there's almost a religious nature to some of these measures where I think people who are otherwise very intelligent people are able to rationalize and sort of wall off that part of their brain that might look at these issues a little bit more clearly. Have you lost friends over your reporting on masking in schools? Well, you mean other than the people on my uh, hometown Facebook page who called me a child murderer? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but but I do think I do think that's significant, right? Because, uh, you know, I'm not I'm active on social media for my job, but I don't know what anybody in my high school class has ever done. I don't know what most of the time what people in my like I'm not on like a private individual Facebook page. But my wife every now and then will say people are losing their minds over the fact that you think kids should be in school when I was saying it last year. Right. Uh, and that kids shouldn't be wearing masks. And so I, I think for people out there listening, I, you deserve a lot of credit. And we're talking with David Zweig at uh, at the Atlantic because of exactly that. Right. There is a social pressure to get in line and not question the consensus. And if you do you will be severely maligned. So you're kind of joking about that, but I think that's one reason that so many people are afraid to say what they actually think, even in the world of media, because they're afraid about what might happen at the PTA meeting, or they're afraid about what their neighbors might think in a larger scale. I mean, I I do think that's a fascinating part of the story and why there's so little debate. Uh, You're exactly right. And so, but part of it is that a lot of these people in the media, though, it's not that they're afraid. They actually do believe this. Again, I think there is this almost kind of like walling off of a part of the brain toward sort of rational um, thought process on this. But for the other group of people, I can tell you this. I am in contact with infectious disease specialists at some of our nation's top institutions and epidemiologists, pediatric immunologists. I have a long list of people who I converse with regularly, and all of it has to be off the record. They all agree with what you and I have been saying. They feel vehemently that kids should be in school. They've been against many of the ideas and guidelines that Fauci has pushed for. They are against the idea of kids wearing masks in school by and large, but none of them can speak out. They've either been told explicitly by the head of their department at whatever university or hospital they're at, or it's just implicit. People don't want to be, most people are not comfortable being on the out of of a group. And if all of your colleagues are saying one thing and all of your sort of people in your social network, if you're living in some sort of Northeastern, um, you know, liberal enclave or some college town somewhere, or most of the, the politics trend toward a certain uh, direction, it's very, very hard to have the type of personality where you are, I wouldn't say comfortable with it, but where you are accepting of that for whatever reason for better or for worse i have that personality <laughs> where to me i just have needed to follow where the science has led me and it has led me into a place that is very different from what much of these you know quote blue states and uh, democratic and public health establishment has pushed for in america and i'll say one thing for why i think there's a strong case why i'm right on this is that much of our peer nations in Europe 
are very much in line with what you and I are saying about kids being in school and about prizing normalcy for children and understanding the incredibly low risk to them. The United States in this regard really is an outlier. So that's whenever that's brought up to these people, they have a tough time um, coming up with a rebuttal. So that's one of the things that I often try to point out in my articles is that we really are an outlier. The CDC wants children as young as two years old to wear masks, but yet the World Health Organization has repeatedly said no one under age six should wear masks. And the European version of the CDC, they have, it's called the ECDC, they don't want anyone in primary school wearing masks. So why is it that the CDC's guidance is so dramatically different from that of these other public health institutions? Last question for you, David. We appreciate you making the time. How does this end? How does masking in schools end uh, if there is no science that supports it and if we're dealing with some sort of magical leap of faith style masking uh, authoritarianism right now, how does it end in schools? I don't know. And I have this conversation with people every day. And I just was corresponding with some infectious disease experts who have been instrumental in rolling back some of the programs in schools in their state. Um, and they helped implement um, Test to Stay, which is a program where instead of quarantining kids, at least they test them. And if they're negative, then you can go to class. And I talked with them about, you know, how does this end? You know, don't you think we should start rolling this back? And they said, right now, it's not politically you know palatable to do something like that so it is a bit of a chicken or an egg thing people are afraid to say something but no one but we're never going to get to the point where we can say something if everyone's afraid to speak out i think i worry it's going to be one of those things where it's really going to take the courage of some politicians particularly in bluer states to just go ahead and start rolling this back and then when people see that everything's okay then the others will fall in line David, we appreciate the time. I'm going to tweet out your article for people who want to read this. You can follow me at Clay Travis. You're at David Zweig, I believe, as well. I'll give people your link. Appreciate all the work you're doing and uh, the fact that you're willing to ask questions that may make some people uncomfortable. I appreciate you having me on again, Trey. That is David Zweig, uh, and when we come back, I'll unpack a little bit of what he just said there. But in the meantime, trying to save some money, how about if I could save you $12,000 this year? How about if you didn't have to pay your mortgage for the next couple of months and you were able to lock in a new lower rate? It's time to put your financial house in order by calling American Financing today. 800-777-8109. Let me tell you one more time. How much difference would $12,000 a year make in your national family budget? How much difference would a couple of mortgage payments that you could skip at the beginning of this year make for you and your family? Probably a massive difference. I've been there sitting around the table doing your family budget. You can save an absolute bundle. All you have to do, get your phones in your hand right now. Call 800-777-8109. You can visit AmericanFinancing.net and MLS 182334. That's 800-777-8109. Humbled to walk in the footsteps of a legend, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. By the way, we're going to open up the phone lines here 
maybe in the third hour of the show, and I'll take some of your calls. Just kind of open line, uh, Wednesday, fun time, 800-282-2882. Also, we got a fun interview coming up at the top of the third hour here, a little over 30 minutes from now. Some of you are going to remember the name Dick Vermeil. He was the head coach of the then St. Louis Rams when Kurt Warner took over and they had one of the most magical runs in the history of the NFL. And I know Rush was a big fan of uh, of NFL football in general, but also this storyline, Kurt Warner has got a new movie out. It's called American Underdog, and I'll talk a little bit about it. It's incredible. If you have forgotten the story of how Kurt Warner went from stocking shelves in an Iowa grocery store to becoming the NFL MVP as a rookie and winning the Super Bowl, it is truly one of the most remarkable stories of all time. I love everything about this story except for the fact that they beat my favorite team, the Tennessee Titans, in the Super Bowl. I'm going to pretend that's not the ending of this story. But Dick Vermeil was the head coach of that team, and that movie is out. i got to tell you, if you're looking for... I know a lot of people like to go to the movies. I know the Spider-Man movie's out. My kids say it's incredible. may have a little Spider-Man take for you here uh, before the show is over, because I do think it's instructive about America getting back to normal in many ways. But if you're looking for a Christmas movie to go see, this American Underdog movie is phenomenal. Uh, And I think a lot of you out there are ready for just an uplifting story that makes you feel good about America and about the people who live here. And instead of tearing everything down, uh, I, I think you're really going to like it. But so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about with Dick Vermeil at the start of the third hour of the program. But in the meantime, I want to tell you a story of how lies spread and how artificial stories can become a staple of the overall media narrative that is out there. And I just saw this happen with Jesse Waters of Fox News. I know a lot of you watch Jesse on the Five. He's got his own show on the weekend, I believe, at Fox News. I know Jesse a little bit. He's not a close friend, so I'm not taking up arms for him because he's a buddy. I know him just a little bit. But when I saw how fundamentally dishonest this story was, I said, we've got to make sure that we address this on the biggest radio show in the country so that we can have as many people as possible throwing punches back. So that's what we're doing right here. All right, how is the sausage made? Here's what happened. Jesse Waters is speaking to a large group of people out in Phoenix, uh, and he talks about how Dr. Fauci is a liar and how he needs to be exposed for those lies. And so I want you to listen to what Jesse Waters said in his speech to a crowded auditorium out in Phoenix. Let's play cut six. Just listen closely. You got to ambush a guy like Fauci, okay? You got to be respectful because they'll turn the tables on you and you can't have a blow up in your face. So you say, my name's Thompson. I'm from da-da-da-da-da. Do you mind, Dr. Fauci, if I ask you a few questions? He's going to say no, but you were polite. So if he says, no, 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 not right now, you say, no, 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 we're going to address this right now. He's just going to speak gibberish. You let him talk, get it on tape. Now you go in for the kill shot. This is when you say, Dr. Fauci, you funded risky research at a sloppy Chinese lab, the same lab that sprung this pandemic on the world. 
You know why people don't trust you, don't you? Boom! He is dead! He is dead! Imagine Tucker Carlson teases out of the A block, coming up, brave college student confronts Lord Fauci at dinner. Okay, that's what Jesse Waters said. You just heard it all in the context in which he said it. Listen to what CNN did to that audio that they then brought to their audience. Let's play cut five. You heard the full the full statement. Now I want you to hear the CNN version. You gotta ambush a guy like Fauci. Get it on tape with your iPhone or your buddy's iPhone. Now you're going for the kill shot. The kill shot with an ambush, deadly, because he doesn't see it coming. This is when you say, Dr. Fauci, you funded risky research at a sloppy Chinese lab, the same lab that sprung this pandemic on the world. You know why people don't trust you, don't you? Boom! He is dead! He is dead! All right. And then CNN used their edited version. Remember, Jesse Waters said, hey, I want you to approach him respectfully. I want you to have your phones out and ask him questions. And then CNN asks Fauci about the Jesse Waters clip that they have edited and they have made look like he's somehow advocating an assassination as opposed to speaking in a metaphorical context about what a kill shot is. And this is what Fauci said. That's horrible. I mean, that just is such a reflection of the craziness that goes on in society. The only thing that I have ever done throughout these two years is to encourage people to practice good public health practices. And for that, you have some guy out there saying that people should be giving me a kill shot to ambush me. I mean, what kind of craziness is there in society these days? That's awful that he said that. And he's going to go very likely unaccountable. <laughs> I mean, whatever network he's on is not going to do anything for him. I mean, that's crazy. The guy should be fired on the spot. Okay. The guy should be fired on the spot is now the headline because he said Fauci should get a kill shot and because he should be ambushed. That's a lie. But they then, CNN, has created a narrative where Jesse Waters called for the assassination of Dr. Fauci and there are going to be no consequences for what he said and he should be fired immediately. Think about the way that that story was played. How many of you saw the headline of Fauci demanding that Waters be fired for what was a discussion of a respectful way that a student journalist could potentially hold Dr. Fauci accountable for helping to fund gain-of-function research in labs that we believe, I personally, some of you, some of you may disagree, but I believe personally helped to directly lead to COVID escaping from a Chinese lab and then infecting the entire United States and the world. That is how the fake news in Donald Trump parlance sausage is made. They take a cut of an overall paragraph of discussion, take it out of context, turn it into something 100% it was not, and then put it back on Dr. Fauci so Fauci looks like the victim and so he can demand that his critics be held accountable 
for their completely intemperate and unfair behavior. And Fauci gets the opportunity to say, oh, I'm just a scientist supporting the science. How dare someone threaten to kill me? Nobody threatened to kill you. This was about holding you accountable for your lies, which, by the way, the media continues to not hold you accountable. When they make Fauci look like a victim, it makes it harder for others to attack him because they say, oh, look at all these illegitimate attacks he's getting. Look at all these threats he's having to deal with. This is a monstrous, monstrous example of direct and flagrant lack of fairness in the media as it pertains to an overarching story. CNN lied. They got Fauci to lie based on an altered clip, and many people in the media ran with it without taking the time to actually go listen to what was legitimately said. It's everything that's wrong with the media today. When we come back, I'll open up the phone lines, 800-282-2882. I know we got some questions out there. Got a Super Bowl question rolling in from one of our VIPs at the uh, EIB network. I'll answer that question. We'll take some of your calls as well. Get you ready for Dick Vermeil at the top of the hour, who I think you guys are going to love. And in the meantime, instead of getting another expensive cell phone from Verizon, cell phone bill from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, how about using the new year as an opportunity to save some money? You can switch to Pure Talk, where you'll get nationwide 5G coverage, the exact same coverage as the big guys, but the average family will save over $800 a year. As an individual, you might save 50 bucks or more yourself. And right now, you can join my family, who are also customers, love our Pure Talk service, and you can make the switch with a 30-day risk-free guarantee. Nothing to lose at all. You get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month, plus through December 31st, they've got brand new iPhone 12s for just $479. How do you sign up from your cell phone right now? P- dial pound 250, say Pure Talk, and you can save an additional 50% off your first month. Plus, you can save on a new phone as well. That's pound 250, say Pure Talk. Some restrictions apply. Call for details. Clay and Buck, inspired by Rush, the next generation, because it's just too important on the EIB Network. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Let me tell you about an American company whose entire mission is built around supporting this same community of people, which I'm a part of and proud to be so. 
GovX.com is an online shopping platform that people like me with service-related backgrounds have been using for years. There are over 8.5 million GovX members benefiting from the site today. As a GovX member, I get access to unbeatable discounts from thousands of trusted brands, sports and entertainment tickets, travel deals, the list goes on. If you're a member, GovX.com is the first place to check when you're shopping online. If you've served our country in the military, law enforcement, firefighting, emergency medical services, or other government agency roles, go to GovX.com. That's GovGovX.com and create your free membership today. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code in the shopping cart, and you'll get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back in. Hour number three, Wednesday edition. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, soon to be celebrating his 40th birthday. He's out for the rest of the year. I'm hanging out with you guys solo today and tomorrow. Lots to get into. We got a guest already on the line with us. He is Super Bowl winning coach Dick Vermeil, who has got a story coming out, a movie, great fantastic movie that I've already watched, American Underdog, about Kurt Warner and the St. Louis Rams team that won the Super Bowl. Coach Vermeil, I'm excited to talk with you. Uh, what's it like? Let me start here. Thanks for giving us this time this close to Christmas. What's it like to watch someone playing you in a movie? Well, when you first see it, now I've seen it three times, okay? And plus I was in the Invincible movie about Vince McFally yes. a long time ago. So I'm sort of used to it, but it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. And when I'm all said and done, I say, hell, he did me better than I do myself. (laughs) All right. So when I watched this movie, and full disclosure, I'm a Titans fan, so I liked everything but the ending. Uh, But when I watched this movie, I I couldn't help thinking this is a perfect example of how truth is truly stranger than fiction. Because if you tried to sketch out this movie... There's no way anyone would believe it was remotely possible that a guy who's stocking shelves in an Iowa grocery store would end up the MVP of the league, the rookie of the year, and would win a Super Bowl. When you look back on it now, I know when you're in the middle of it, it can feel it can feel crazy and wild. But does it seem like a remarkably improbable story to you watching even yourself? As you said, you've seen it three times when you watch the story of what happened in that season. 
Yeah, you know, I still shake myself when I walk out. Like you said, I've seen it three times. Each time I see it, I like it better because it makes me think more about the whole process. You know, they they didn't include his very first year with us as the third quarterback coming out of the Arena League because the movie had been too long. And they yeah. did a great job of condensing it. But each time I've looked at it, I go back at You know, first off, it had never happened before. And secondly, it will probably never happen again. And he made it happen. But the, it's more than a story about a quarterback. It's a life story. Yes. Struggle. Both, you know, both husband and wife and the, the, and the whole process. And so I, I think it, it'll stimulate people emotionally because they'll be able to relate to some period in their life. They went through something, maybe not as drastic, but pretty close to it. And they battled through it and made it, or they didn't make it and had to take a different avenue. So I, I think there's something for everybody. It's far more than a football story. For people out there who don't know this story, let me give them a quick synopsis. You are the head coach of the St. Louis Rams in the NFL. Right. You have got right. Trent second Green. Year there. Yeah. Second year there. You've got Trent Green as your starting quarterback. The expectation mm-hmm. is that Trent Green, you got a lot of talented people uh, that are Hall of Fame caliber or Hall of Fame guys like Isaac Bruce, like Marshall, um, uh, like Marshall Falk on your team. Trent Green right. has a devastating knee injury in the preseason, right. and suddenly in comes Kurt Warner, who had been playing in the Arena Football League, who had gone to a small school in Iowa, and who was in his upper 20s, and it had appeared maybe football had passed him by. So that's the background. So I want to ask you this about Kurt Warner. How did you come to end up with Kurt Warner on your team? Who convinced you to take him? And did you believe that he could be a starting quarterback in the league? Well, first off, he was recommended to me by a coach that I knew from California. He had been the coach at San Diego State. Anyway, I knew him, and he had been recommended to me, Charlie Armory, our personnel director, and John Becker, our college scout director. And we brought him in for workout. Now, this was the year before the Super Bowl team, because he was actually there a full year coming out of the Arena League as our third quarterback, and we went, once we signed him, we worked him out, liked him, and it wasn't a dazzling workout, but we needed depth. So we signed him and sent him to uh, Europe to play in the NFL Europe League, and he played 10 games over there, and he played well. Then he came back, and he became our third quarterback for 16 games. He didn't play in a game until the last game of the season when we were getting beat. We put him into the fourth quarter. I think he threw the ball 10, 10, 15 times and completed four. That was it. Then we make him our second quarterback coming into my third year at the Rams, his second year. and we But we have signed Trent Green as a uh, free agent to be our starting quarterback and built what we thought was going to be a real good football team, probably a playoff team around him. Well, he gets hurt in the preseason game, and lo and behold, we go with Kurt Warner. We all thought could Kurt could play from having watched him as our third quarterback throw the ball against our uh, defensive team in preparation for our next opponent. You know, and he threw the ball well, but you always say when you walk off the field, well, he's you know, it's not game day. If there's not 80,000 people in the stands, he probably couldn't play this well in a regular game. Wrong. We were wrong. So all of a sudden, he's our starter going into the first game of the season against the Ravens. And and from then on, he wrote his own story. 
he wrote his own story. No quarterback in the history of the league started out like he did. He threw three touchdowns in the first game, three touchdown passes in the second game, three touchdown passes in the third game, five touchdown passes in the fourth game, one touchdown pass in the sixth game, three more in the next game. No one had ever done that. 18 touchdowns, three pass pass interceptions in the first six games. No one had ever done that the first time starting a football. So about that time, you know, we said, you know something? (laughs) This guy's special. He's got it. And uh, he went on and played us so well, he carried us into the Super Bowl and then won it. He was the MVP in the Super Bowl. Never happened before. It'll probably never happen again. What makes deciding whether a guy can be a good quarterback so hard? Well, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's observation with me. I always go on what I see, not so much what I think other people think or sometimes what other people see. I've been very, very fortunate in my long coaching career, both in high school, junior college, college, and pro football. I was always having a quarterback that could really play, from an All-American, you know, to All-Pro, uh, to uh, NFC Player of the Year in Jaworski, to the most valuable player in the league in, you know, in Kurt Warner. I've just been lucky, and I've gone on what I see, and my hunches and my gut feelings about watching people when they compete and they compare so I would say he just, he, first off, I'm not bright enough to say I could predict he was going to do what he did, but I thought he would play, and I thought he would play well. This movie is coming out uh, for Christmas. There have been early previews that are already out, American Underdog. You've watched it three times. I've watched it as well. It's a tremendous family movie. Kurt and his wife Brenda have a tremendous relationship between the two of them. For people out there, I know you've got kids and grandkids yourself. What do you think families can take from the story of Kurt and Brenda Warner and the rise to a Super Bowl championship? There's football in this story, but it's about a lot more than football. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a story of persistence, story of deep belief and faith in yourself, a story and commitment to meet a life's dream. And, you know, a a tremendously deep belief in what you thought you could do. And he would not allow, Kurt would not allow anybody to write him off. They tried to write him off in college. He didn't start until part of the season, his fifth year, I think it was, or senior year, you know, uh, in Iowa, okay, northern Iowa. And then, of course, he he had to go. He goes to Green Bay. He gets a, a blink there. He didn't get drafted, and they cut him right off the bat because he, he knew he wasn't ready. But they saw he wasn't ready. He was very conscientious, and he didn't want to do things he didn't do well. Anyway, he didn't impress them. They let him go. He ends up in the Arena League, and he he, he takes them all the way to the championship game in the Arena League, the Iowa Barnstormers, and all this is included in the build up to ending up with the uh, St. Louis Rams. But uh, the fans, fans, non-football fans and football fans are going to enjoy it because, like I said earlier, it's more a life story, you know, and people are going to be able to identify with it. Talking to Coach Dick Vermeil, who won a Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, an amazing story a little over 20 years ago. Coach, I heard a great story about you and how committed you were to the time that it takes to be an excellent coach. I'm, I, I want to find out if it's true. 
that you and your wife were flying uh, one time, and you were watching on uh, on the screen there in, in inside of the the plane a television show, and you were watching it, and you were really laughing, and, and you and you eventually turned to your wife, and you were like, "Man, th- this show is really good," and your wife said, "Yeah." Uh, coach, it's it's Seinfeld. It's one of the most famous shows ever, and you had never heard or seen the television show Seinfeld. Is that a true story? That's true. <laughs> so, so you are committed so much. I mean, because I, I I think a lot of people out there who don't spend a lot of time around coaches, the amount of hours and the amount of effort and uh, and and focus that it requires to be really good with your team, you almost have to have yeah. blinders on as <laughs> in terms of the larger cultural landscape. Well, you almost hit it right on the nail. I said I was blindly committed to being the best football coach I could be. Blindly committed. And what my problem was, I allowed the passion to become an obsession. And then I I had to leave the game. I didn't anticipate leaving under 14 years. But I was so fortunate that John Shaw and Georgia Frontier and, and Jay Sigmund, the Rams organization, wanted me to coach your football team. So I went back after 14 seasons best decision second best decision i probably ever made in my life so coach what burned you out the first time because i think this is such a fascinating question what burned you out the first time and had you learned by the second time that allowed you to achieve a different level almost of success like what occurred that made you a better coach the second time that you didn't know the first time well The first time I allowed losing to affect me so much, I spent too much time after the loss evaluating why I lost, which interfered for my preparation to prepare my team to play for the next win. And in my own personal evaluation, I could see I wasn't doing a good job after I lost the next one or maybe squeaked out a win. And it just kept snowballing on me. I just couldn't... uh, you know, handle all that kind of stuff after seven years at the head coach of the Eagles. And, and people had told me I was pushing myself too hard, and uh, but I wouldn't listen. When I came back, obviously after 14 years out, I couldn't be my own offensive coordinator. I couldn't be my quarterback coach and call all the plays game day. I was the head coach. But what I had learned to is decide one of the most important things for a leader in an organization to do, and then surround yourself with people could do these other things that you don't do because you're, you're the leader of the organization and, and, and then back them and provide them with in the football, you provide them with an organization that supports them properly, that gives them the right kind of personnel that, that gives a, uh, a player a sense of discipline and uh, a sense of process and, uh, and an excitement about being in the environment he's playing in. And uh, you go from there. But see, I tried to do all that in one shell, all the way through, you know, high school, junior college, college, and then on into the pro football. And I ran out of gas doing that in pro football. And when I went back, I was a better overall leader of the total process and building the culture from the ownership right on through the organization to the the fourth string player on, on your football team. He's Dick Vermeil. The movie is American Underdog. It is fantastic. Coach, have a great Christmas. We appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. Yeah, well, I, I sure hope the fans take the time to go see it, but it's going to be the best Christmas present they buy themselves. Outstanding stuff. Thanks, Coach.
Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But in the meantime, one of the many things talked about when it comes to gold is protection. Buck spends a lot of time talking about this. It makes perfect sense. You can't have the kind of inflation we're experiencing without the future value of your savings account being diminished. Our dollar in the future won't go as far. No one in the White House is going to say that. But you don't need to hear that to know what you're experiencing at the gas station or your favorite store. Protecting the long-term value of your savings has helped when you invest a portion of it in gold. Gold has proven to hold its value and grow consistently over time in value. Buy it as a part of your financial plan. Oxford Gold Group is who we recommend for this. Our partners at Oxford Gold have precious metals that can be delivered to your home. That gives you the ability to hold and store your gold along with your other valuables in your home. This isn't complicated. The team at Oxford Gold Group makes it easy. In fact, you can call them at 833-404-GOLD and learn how you can have real gold in your IRA and delivered to your door. Call them today, Oxford Gold, at 833-404-GOLD. That's 833-404-G-O-L-D. Time slot on loan from Rush. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.